0: This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ.
1: Throughout Jesus' time on earth, there were many women who were important parts of his life and ministry. Among those were Anna the prophet, the Syrophoenician woman, Joanna, and Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene sat at the tomb where Jesus had been laid, (laughs) weeping. Suddenly, two angels stood before her. They asked her why she was crying, and she told them that the body of her Lord had been stolen. Jesus appeared before Mary, but she thought that he was the gardener. Jesus asked her who she was looking for. Mary asked if he knew where they had taken the body. After a moment, she finally recognized him. Then Jesus told her to go tell the others what she had seen. Years before, when Mary and Joseph took infant Jesus to the temple, they met Anna, the prophet. Anna was an old woman who had never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. When she met Jesus, she gave thanks to God and told everyone about him. One day, while traveling in the region of Tyre, Jesus sought solitude in a house but he was met there by a Syrophenician woman who begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Jesus replied in rabbinical fashion with a question. The Syrophoenician woman answered with intelligence and great faith. Because of this, Jesus granted her request and the demon was cast out of her daughter. Throughout Jesus's ministry, he traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God He was accompanied by his 12 disciples, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who had been the manager of Herod's household, and many other women who supported Jesus' ministry through their own means. After Jesus was crucified, his body was placed in a tomb. On the third day, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb only to find it empty. (gasps)
0: We all need human teachers. We all need human instructors. We all need human mentors. We all need people who will speak godly wisdom, even prophetic words, into our lives. Growing up, did you have such a person or several people that were that for you, that spoke godly wisdom into your life, that that spoke words into your life, that became a prophecy that you lived to fulfill. Joy Bothman was my first formal school teacher. I grew up in a very idyllic uh, community where there was a little one room schoolhouse a quarter of a mile from me. Yes, I walked through snow and ice to get there. And the little country church, a one room church that was just a quarter of a mile on the other side or less. My parents ran the country store. Their parents before them ran the store in this little village called Sheraton, Missouri, population 12. And in this idyllic community, Joy Bothman taught me for five years, five years in this one room schoolhouse. There were 16 students one year. That was the largest we ever got. My brother and I, my twin brother and I, were the only ones in the class. I was always one of the top two in school. (laughs) We had an outside reading time once a week where we got to read whatever we wanted to when the bookmobile came along. But I never wanted to read. What I wanted to do was write. And so I would write, and I would write these convoluted stories that always had a moral to them. And so somewhere along the time that I was 10 or 11 years of age, Joy Boffman, my teacher, first five years, who was also uh, married my, my mother's cousin and everybody knew everybody, you know, and we all went to church together. Joy said to me, Robert, I see you writing curriculum, the kind of curriculum we have in church in Sunday school. And so as I thought about that, and I thought about this book, and yeah, you know, that's a fulfillment of what Joy Boffman said to me over 50 years ago as a 10 or 11-year-old kid. She spoke into my life. And the words kind of hung in the air. We read today in the scriptures about women in the life of Jesus. And one of the important women is Anna, the prophet. Anna is old. She's 84 years old. She had a husband for seven years. He died and for decades she's been in the temple. She's cut her teeth on the scriptures. She lives really, really close to God. And what does, does Anna do when Mary and Joseph, this couple, come to the temple with their eight-day-old baby, Jesus? But she goes up to them along with Simeon, echoing his words, this child, this child is for the rise and fall of many in Israel. She said, he is the one that's going to redeem us. She speaks these words into this young couple's life. And I would suggest to you that along the way in life, no matter how young or old we are, we still need people that speak into our lives. And as we get older, it's important for us not to put it on automatic pilot. Because there's a lot of people that need godly wisdom that comes from people who have gone through some hard knocks and have some life experience. So, those of us who are o- ROGs, we need to live close to God. Now, what is an ROG? I'm glad you asked. Pastor Jason and Pastor Jim and I, we go to our weekly lunch, and I learn a lot from them. And so on one day, Pastor Jason was waxing eloquent about this ROG guy, this ROG, this pastor down in Texas that's doing these things. And I stop and I ask him, well, what is an ROG? And he says, an ROG is a really old guy. And I say to Pastor Jason, I went to seminary with that guy. I must be an ROG too. Pastor Jim and I are personally offended by this young whippersnapper, Jason, that calls us an ROG. I uh, got a, several gifts. I get gifts all the time from this congregation. This week, I got an anonymous gift from someone, accelerated wrinkle repair for me. (laughs) It was an anonymous gift. Thank you, Bill Cloven, very much. (laughs) We have a lot of ROGs in the room. Really old guys, really old gals. Anna was a really old gal that spoke into the life of Mary and Joseph. We need you to speak into the lives of this culture. Do it. Now, have you ever wondered how Jesus, this rabbi, grew up. Women came to call him rabbi too, which is remarkable. Jesus would be like any other Jewish boy or girl up to the age of five, they spent time in the home. And his story reminds us that men and women, parents, your primary responsibility as spiritual leaders, you are the number one person in your child's life to speak godly wisdom to. And then when a boy got to be five years of age, he went down to the local synagogue and went to the educational building. And there the rabbi would have them pour honey on their slate. This was their paper. This was their computer screen. This was their iPad. This was their learning tool. Pour honey on the slate and he would say, I want you to lick the honey off the slate so that you will know that the Lord is sweet and the word of God is sweet. What an image. And those little boys would memorize the first five books, the Torah of the Bible. Now the really bright ones, oh, they went on to rabbinical school. To be uh, an aspiring rabbi in that culture was like maybe being a teacher or a lawyer when I was growing up or a doctor. And they went on to rabbinical school, and there the rabbi would, would say to them, take my yoke and learn of me. Take my yoke and learn of me. The yoke was the, remember, the symbol of the oxen that were joined together. Take my yoke. Stay close to me and learn of me. That's what the rabbi would say to his students, the prize young men, the brightest of the bright. And there was a saying, may the dust of your rabbi fall on you. May you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. May you live so closely the teaching of your rabbi, your teacher, that his very dust of his sandals falls off on you. You get the idea. But what about the girls? What about the women? Well, the women were taught by their mothers, but the women, the girls never went on to any school formal education. They were left to do work at home. Or they were sent out as shepherd girls in the fields. In the Mideastern culture, many of these girls became shepherds. In fact, while we don't ever realize this, it may very well be true that the shepherds that visited baby Jesus in the major may have been girls. So Jesus is schooled as a rabbi, as a young boy. He doesn't go on to the rabbinical school though as a teenager because he's not connected. He's from small roots, peasantry. But do you remember how, he, how the, the scribes and the rabbis in the temple marveled at his wisdom when he was 12 years of age? And when he was 30 years of age, he had so much authority and so much power. And the words that he said, his command of the words, they said, how is this guy schooled this way? He never went to school. But Jesus became the rabbi of Israel. Jesus became the rabbi of rabbis. And he was a different kind of a rabbi. Now think about this. God in a male world sent a male Jesus to the world who invited women as well as men to follow him. This is no small thing. Jesus was a different kind of a rabbi. And Jesus broke through the cultural barriers, inviting women to follow him too. And he became known as their teacher. Let's look at the scriptures together. This passage from Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. This is the calling of the disciples. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him. Now, we know that the 12 were guys. We know that the the closest guys, the closest ones, that they hung out with kind of 24-7 were the seven, were the 12 guys, right? The apostles, the disciples. But notice that Luke would have us know something else. As well as some women, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. The word of God for the people of God. And so Jesus calls men and women to follow him. And what we wanna do today is to look at three particular women who encountered Jesus as a rabbi. And the first one is a very unlikely candidate, a Syrophoenician woman, a woman who is outside the Jewish faith, outside the tradition, outside the culture. And any good Jewish rabbi would say that, I'm only here for the sheep of Israel. But there is this Phoenician woman who comes to Jesus because her daughter is possessed with a demon. And she is so desperate, she's heard something about this different kind of a rabbi that she dares to approach him. And it is amazing in that culture that she would do so because, number one, she is a woman, and number two, she's not Jewish. And so Jesus responds in kind of a typical rabbinical fashion. Well, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And uh, the disciples, the 12 men, send her away. (laughs) She's bothering us. Get this riffraff out of here. But what does Jesus do? Well, he says in rabbinical fashion, you know, the teaching is that it's not right for me to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs because those that were not of that faith or that culture or that religion, their lives were not as valuable. But the woman says something very remarkable to Jesus. She says, well, even the dogs... worth the crumbs from under the table. In rabbinical fashion, as a rabbi, Jesus draws out of this woman truth, and he honors that, and he says, you have great faith, woman, you have great faith. Be it done to you as you wish. And her daughter's healed. And we don't know what happened to that woman after that. She steps in the story and out of the story. But here is a woman who finds favor with this different kind of a rabbi that up to that point and that tradition and that culture would be unheard of. And friends, you and I are living in a world where still in many practices and in many religions and in many faiths and even in some segments of Christianity, this barrier still exists we need to be aware of it. Jesus broke through as the teacher of teachers. Now there's two other women that we want to talk about. Joanna is an amazing woman. She's one of those that follows Jesus and calls him rabbi. Who is Joanna? Joanna. Well, her husband is a steward in King Herod's court. That's like her husband is on the White House staff. Joanna is connected. She runs in societal, high societal circles. And Joanna is one of those persons who is willing to risk all that as a person who's well-connected, who has considerable means, who is willing to follow Jesus as her rabbi. I wonder what her husband thought of that. But she followed him along the way. She provided, along with Mary Magdalene, resources from their purse. Imagine that. Women were supporting the boys financially. It's in the Bible. Check it out. She follows him to the cross, Joanna. She's among the women that's there. And she goes to the tomb carrying the spices. And I'm not a betting man, but if I was a betting man, my money would be on that she's among the 120 women and men who receive the Holy Spirit in the upper room 50 days after his death. And then there's Mary Magdalene. Now Mary Magdalene has been invented by the 18th or 19th century Western church that she was a prostitute. We don't know that at all just something that became popularized in our culture. What we do know about Mary Magdalene was that she had seven demons. Now, I don't know what you do with demons. I am personally somewhere between the extreme, and Brian Rainwater's here today, so I'm, I'm somewhere between the extreme of one of the professors at seminary who always had a demon behind every bush. We'll talk about who that guy was later. And this whole modern idea that the behavior of people is all genetics or behavioral science or mental illness. There is an evil one that has an effect on people's lives. And there's many people that are weak and there's people that have been taken advantage of. There's a lot of us that have evil done to us in our lives that we are not responsible for. We feel shame about it. But evil has come upon us in many different ways. Evil had come upon Mary Magdalene. And what Her testimony is that God, Jesus, delivered her from that evil. Maybe you are someone that has come out of a lot of evil, and, and your testimony is that, man, you, you've overcome a lot of things to become a follower of Jesus. Sometimes hearing some people's testimonies, I wish I had to a lot more so my testimony would be a lot better, you know. So. But the testimony is, is ultimately that Jesus is our redeemer no matter what we've come from and what we've come out of. And Mary Magdalene is one of those who with joy comes to the realization that he's alive. She follows him to the cross she follows him to the tomb and Mary Magdalene hungs, hangs out a little bit longer than the rest and at the tomb she sees him thinking he's the gardener could you tell me where he is and he speaks her name Mary and then she knows rabboni rabbi teacher Four different women that we've looked at today. There's the Anna, the prophet, who is religious. She's an ROG. She has a lot of godly wisdom. Maybe you're like Anna. Or maybe you're like uh, the Sarah Phoenician woman who comes out of a a non-religious background. And you don't know a lot of the tradition or the faith. But that's okay. You can come to Jesus too. And there's Joanna, who's a person of many connections. She runs in high circles. But she is willing to risk that and follow Jesus as rabbi. Some of us have good connections. We are people of influence. Does Jesus speak with the same authority in our lives as he did Joanna's? And there's Mary Magdalene this woman who had experienced a lot of evil and oppressive things in her life that Jesus delivers her out of. But each of these women come to know him. This different kind of a rabbi where there is neither male nor female, Jew or Greek, slave or free, rich or poor. But we are one in Christ Jesus. Have you claimed Jesus as your rabbi? Have you followed him close enough where he can take his yoke and say to you, take my yoke upon you? Isn't it fascinating in the scripture that when Jesus says those words to the disciples, to the people that are present that day, take my yoke and learn of me, He's saying it right out of the rabbinical school. He's saying it as a rabbi, and we don't even know it, but he's inviting us to get under the yoke with him and let him be our rabbi. Take my yoke upon you. We have an interesting scripture in 1 John chapter 2 where the scripture says that uh, you have an anointing you've received that remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? What John is saying to the early Christians is that you've come to this point where you've had these human teachers, but you're no longer dependent upon them because the anointing, his anointing, the Holy Spirit teaches you about all the things and the anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as as it's been taught to you. What what is the scripture saying? That we get to that point in our life in our journey with God, where we're not as dependent upon human teachers, but we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our guide and our companion, our friend. And it is through the Holy Spirit that Jesus becomes our personal rabbi. And so as we journey through the Holy Spirit is with you series in two weeks, What we want you to do is is to be a part of a class or a group. We want you to learn and grow about who is the Holy Spirit. We want you to know what the Holy Spirit does. We want you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we want you to know that through the Holy Spirit, this Jesus can teach us and guide us and counsel us just like he did in the flesh to the women and men 2000 years ago. Will you stand with me for a moment? We're gonna go into a closing song, but I wanna invite you to imagine Jesus just standing before you. And I want you to uh, repeat these words. Repeat these words after me. Jesus, Jesus' words to you. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. For I am gentle and humble. For I am gentle and humble. You will find rest in your souls. You will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And my burden is light.